Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. And with me today in the hot seat is Barry Braun. And here is a bit about Barry. He is the founder of the Happy Community Project, a happy community builders. Barry and his team are enabling others to build happier communities. Their process have been recognized for their effectiveness and innovation by eight leading institutions in the U.S., Canada, Scotland, and Wales. Barry is also the author of four books. Um, he has been on a social entrepreneur and business coach long before the terms became popular and is passionate about building a society that is supportive for our children and grandchildren in their future. So without further ado, please welcome Barry Braun to GEMS Podcast. Thanks, Genesis. My pleasure, Barry. So before we dive into our segment on understanding and learning more about the um, community and the work that you're doing now, I want to start with either a icebreaker or rapid fire game. So I'm going to give you the option to choose. Would you like to play a 10 question game that's super fun or would you like to break the ice up front? Let's try icebreaker. Okay, <laughs> so he's choosing the icebreaker, y'all. Breaking the ice with Barry Braun. So Barry, I want you to share a fun or interesting fact about yourself or something crazy that you've done in your life. Oh, gee. Well, a lot of people think I'm actually crazy. <laughs> so, um, well... I've climbed mountains. Uh, I we live in a, a nature preserve. Basically, we live in uh, rural Nova Scotia on a on a re, uh, really nice rural property where there is deer and coyotes and all that sort of stuff wandering around on a routine basis. And I love being in nature as a way of grounding me to to uh, back to what's important. Oh wow! Thank you for sharing that. And that is. Definitely interesting. I'm not sure if I would be able to live around coyotes and just natural animals, but it's cool that you are um, involved in nature and it's a way to keep yourself grounded because there are so many beautiful places to see. So um, question, have you always lived there or is it a place that you guys gravitated to? Uh, well, I met my wife about 25 years ago and then we had had this vision in common of living in a place like this so that's so we've been here about 25 years oh nice and where are you originally from Barry I'm a prairie boy from uh, Saskatchewan in Alberta that's in Canada of course mm -hmm. uh, just north of North Dakota oh, okay uh, nice I haven't been to that part of Canada but I have been to Toronto and Niagara Falls and I want to go to Montreal next time. <laughs> uh, Montreal is a beautiful city. It's uh, like going to Europe uh, without going to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, thank you for um, breaking the ice. And now we get we got to connect with you on a personal level, but we're definitely going to dive a little bit deeper into Barry and the work that you're doing for Happy Community Builders. So let's start off by just laying a foundation. What led you to starting this project? And what um, was it something that you had an aha moment or was it an inspiration or walk us through what that looked like for you? Well, the journey started when I became a grandfather and I wanted to leave a legacy for them that's more than just money. I wanted to leave a legacy for them where they could find a better, uh, a bit more happiness in the world than what the world is looking like it's headed for for them right now. And so that led me to uh, thinking about how I could do that. Communities are foundational for our well-being, our happiness for millennia, for thousands and thousands of years. Communities have been the foundation for our, our well-being and happiness. And it's only in recent times that we seem to have forgotten about that. Uh, and so the goal of the Happy Community Builders is to connect all those people out there who are doing the hard work of trying to rebuild our communities so that they are connected, belonging and caring places uh, to give them a place where they can find support from their peers, uh, from other people and also people like me. I like that. And I love the fact that you were focusing, your, your focus was on your family, but also the next generation, because after we transition, it's going to be our children, our great grandchildren, and further on. So it's not just about Genesis and Barry, but it's about who's coming along besides and behind us and what foundation are we laying so they have a great grounding to stand upon. Absolutely. And I feel I feel kind of sad about that. My generation, uh, I'm 70 years old, approximately. And, <laughs> and my generation has had the very best that the world has ever offered anybody. Uh, we've gone through the world with prosperity and peace, and, and uh, hope and optimism and all that sort of stuff. And now we're coming to a place in our world where that those things for our next generations aren't looking so bright as we had. And so I think it's our responsibility from my, our generation to leave uh, a better world for our younger people, or at least a world that's livable and, <laughs> where, they can, and where they can find support and uh, from, from, fellow, fellow, from fellow citizens that they live with, so. And do you think that we could um, really create some synergies and effectiveness if we would connect across um, generations and culturally? Because, some, for example, I'll use this example, and I'm going to use it from a corporate America standpoint. So I'm a millennial, but I worked with a lot with baby boomers and et cetera, and my background's oil and gas and energy. So whenever you are a millennial and say you're in a position of power or you have some leadership ability, but maybe the people that you are trying to lead and influence are baby boomers, sometimes a wall of resistance can go up because they feel like I've been on this universe a lot longer than you, and I don't necessarily need to listen to what you're, what you're saying, but I 
I feel like there is a way to bridge the gap and intersect our commonalities versus accentuating the differences. And I think that is what's going to help build a better communities when we could, you know, look at the differences, but then also focus on what, what are the commonalities and where is the silver lining and using that to bridge the gap. So feel free to revise that and add on to my statement if it resonates. Well, I, I think it's absolutely uh, right, Genesis. Uh, we, one of the projects that we worked on is in Nova Scotia where I live. Uh, and it was a community that described itself as divisive. Uh, nothing ever happens here. If we got a good idea, we'll fight about it until the idea is dead and nobody does anything. And that was the, that was the culture of this community. We brought the community together uh, through uh, initiating projects where they could come together and know each other. And it was people who usually never mingled with each other that showed up at these things. We, 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 uh, we got 700 volunteers out of a community of about 12,000 people to show up and run these projects. And, uh, and uh, Windsor has a black community, a, 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 one of the oldest black communities in Canada, not far from it. It's, it's considered part of the same community. But the two never mingled. You never saw black people showing up at the events that were held in Windsor. After we were done, you never saw an event where there wasn't a good represent representation of black people at the event. And the change in that community from connecting across that diversity and being aware that we all belong in the same community uh, was that uh, the community changed its story to what an awesome place to live. There's so much happening here. And look at all the new businesses that are showing up. Uh, so uh, connecting across difference is an incredibly rich experience for everybody, including the community as a whole. Absolutely. And I could um, definitely co-sign that, especially whenever, um, for example, I'm first generation American. So my dad was South American and my mom is West Indian. So she's Caribbean descent. And just being afforded the ability to travel around the world and meet and mingle with other people who don't necessarily look like you, but there are certain things that you have in common, like maybe the music you like or the food that you like to eat or whatever the case may be, then you start to see the um, how there's diversity in thought, but then you bring in the inclusion because you're including both both um, parties into your world rather than focusing on the exclusivity. And then the B is the belonging, which is like the new thing that they're adding on to D, E, and I is having a sense of belonging. So I like that you just mentioned that there was richness and they changed the way that Windsor was being perceived. And then you start to see well, how- Not only perceived by others, but also perceived by, by themselves. Uh, that's yeah. where the real change came from. So, so in Happy Community Builders, we just this morning uh, we're launching another project. Uh, so there were uh, five community builders uh, that come from very broad backgrounds, and uh, they've met each other at Happy Community Builders. They didn't really know each other before that, and what they're doing is creating a project around food and story 
So what their what their project is about is uh, enabling communities to use things like uh, traditional recipes uh, to cook up some food, come together, share it, and then have a story selling or storytelling session uh, as part of that event, so that people actually get to know each other from all kinds of different ways and. And I'm really excited about that. That's uh, one of the, it's a, it's it's what Happy Community Builders has the possibility of doing is making new ideas show up, and then putting people around them to make them happen where it wouldn't have happened before. I am super excited about that. You had me at food. Food is a great way to bring people together. And I it tell is. people, if you want to see a room pack, just say that you're having a lunch and learn and see how many people come down to that lunch and learn. Absolutely. Food is, food is well, you know, in the ancient, ancient, ancient times when we sat around campfires, well, it was about sitting around campfires with food and telling stories. That's what we did. So this is just going back to, to, to ancient times of what we did as humans. And that we did that because it was really important for us uh, as a way of bonding with each other and developing a sense of responsibility and caring for each other. Yes, and we definitely have to get back to the old school days, because even though, you know, history doesn't repeat, um, someone told me history rhymes, and I thought that was a great way of looking at it. And one of the questions I want to ask is, why is doing good hard? Because I know that's one of the questions that um, feeds into community builders. Sure. It's a common experience. We, we uh, held this thing called Coffee Connections. We hold it once a month and people from all over the world join on the Coffee Connections. And one of the things I noticed in there was a common theme. And that theme is, this is hard. What I'm trying to do for community is hard. And, uh, often uh, success is measured when community builders are doing their work is that uh, the problems haven't gotten any worse during my, all my efforts. So if it's, if it's trying to solve homeless as a, homelessness as a problem, just as a, for example, uh, there are, are no more homeless people now than there were when I started solving the problem for homeless people. And, and, uh, and, and so it takes a lot of stamina to, and fortitude and passion to keep working in an environment where you're not not necessarily feeling like you're making progress or if you are making progress you feel like you're doing it alone and people aren't appreciating you for what you've done uh, uh, we don't uh, value heart, uh, uh, good work we expect people to do it out of the goodness of their heart and uh, while we go off and earn our big salaries versus with somebody else, <laughs> right? And, and all of that stuff uh, makes it hard. It's hard psychologically, it's hard physically, it takes a lot of time. And so that's one of the reasons we brought the Happy Community Builders together is so that people could come and find support uh, from other people who understand what it's like to do the work that they're doing. Absolutely, and I think whenever you, um break it down and you say, yes, the work may be hard, but think about the reward once that work is complete. How are you leaving an imprint 
Is that imprint driving an impact? How many lives are you touching? Because sometimes if you touch one person, then you've done your job because that person is going to go on to touch other people and you don't know how far your reach is going to spread. You don't know what the ripple effect is going to look like or that domino effect. So just focusing on touching lives and focusing on the impact that you're leaving can definitely make the doing hard work easy. And I think it also starts with the mindset, just having a shift in your overall mindset and overcoming some of those paradigms that's making it seem as hard. Because if you keep saying it's hard, you're going to keep making that situation hard. But if you say it's easy, then you're going to start to see how things are going to free be free flowing and things are just going to come to you naturally is my opinion of you. Well, that's, there's a lot of truth in what you said. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it's also, I think, a little bit. Um, so my, my experience with people who are trying to solve significant problems in their community. So yes, if you want to do good, it's easy to go out and do good. Just find somebody on the street and buy them a cup of coffee and you've done some good. And, and, and it's a big help for that person It picks up their day and makes you feel good. And doing good always feels good. Uh, but when you're doing this with passion and you're trying to make big change, there are a lot of forces working against what you're doing. Uh, the, the government itself often puts barriers in the way of doing good uh, uh, and where for mind-boggling reasons that are really hard to fathom uh, and, uh, and raising significant amounts of money to be able to do the good is really challenging and often goes unappreciated by the uh, rest of the public who who don't necessarily pony up as much as you would need them to, or government funding would need you would need to do, uh, and and so th these and uh, and then there's just doing the work in the community itself, and people. Nat there's always someone in the community who comes up to be critical of <laughs> what you're doing. They're standing on the uh, on the sidelines watching you, and and then for all your efforts that you're doing trying to do good something good for them they're there telling you <laughs> criticizing you or questioning your motives for doing it and that sort of thing those are real things that community builders run into pretty much every day and uh and and so that's why we've created the happy community builders uh, platform is so that they can come to a place where others who are doing similar things already know what their experience is like <laughs> and can offer them support, moral support, plus also uh, advice, uh, new ideas that they hadn't thought about, new resources that they can reach out to that they hadn't thought about, those sort of things. So let's let's focus on that because that is a, va a valid point because it can apply where you are in Nova Scotia as well as anywhere around the world. Challenges, Absolutely. whether whether they're the monetary challenges of trying to raise funding, whether it, it's the pushback from the people in your community who don't necessarily see the vision, so they haven't bought into it, or um, you mentioned the government. So some of the challenges that you face as um, Happy Builders community, lay those challenges out and talk about um, the ways that 
you and your team have overcame those challenges. But then while you talk about how you overcome those challenges, let's talk about some tips and tricks that will help the listeners and viewers so they can help aid as being a solution to some of the challenges you all face based on the incredible work you're trying to do. Well, I think speaking to the last point first, uh, uh, people who are working hard to make the community a better place to live for you and the other people in the community, these are, you know, they're heroes. <laughs> they should be recognized as that rather than uh, criticized for the way they're doing things or how they're doing things. So just putting out a kind word to somebody who's doing that kind of work is a really good place to start. <laughs> you know, I noticed what you're doing and I think it's really great without critical comment about what they should do and what they shouldn't do and that sort of stuff. Uh, that, that helps a lot to the community builders to know that they're appreciated for what they're doing. Uh, so that's the easiest thing that people can do is just appreciate others who are doing the hard work. Uh, the, uh, uh, your question is what makes it hard? So for example, I'm not sure what, whether the rules are the same in the United States, but here in Canada, we've talked about earlier, food is core to building connections. You know, well, here in Canada, we got all kinds of silly rules that make uh, in the name of safety, that makes it really hard for people to come together and share food. Um, you, you have to take courses, you have to cook the food in special places, uh, and you have to serve it in special ways. You can't just have an informal gathering and people show up at potluck food uh, in, a, in a public event. Uh, and yet food is one of the key ways that we come together. And so there's, you know, safety rules are important, but uh, so, is, so is people coming together and sharing, sharing bread together. Uh, we, um, there's a funny story that happened here in Nova Scotia that just gives an idea of how doing good can be hard. Uh, we have pothole season here in Nova Scotia. It happens every spring. Uh, uh, as, a, as we're a cold country up here. So when the thaw, ice thaws and it warms up, then we get big potholes in the road. <laughs> and, uh, and there was this young fellow who lived on a road and the people had been complaining to their local government people and transportation people for a long time that their road was becoming impassable because of the amount of potholes on it. It was a dirt gravel road and, 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 and so this young enterprising guy I said, okay, well, I'll fix this. He grabbed his shovel and he went on the road, started filling in potholes. Uh, well, it turned out that people, the local citizens appreciated him doing that. So a lot of the cars that were driving by held out a $5 bill to him or $10 bill to him. He was, well, they were driving by for shoveling. So this is really great. Then the police came along and said, uh, you can't do this. We won't let you do this. You got to go home. So he, was, he went back three times and on the third time they threatened to arrest him if he showed up again uh, for doing for filling in potholes for doing a good good deed so that's a way that the government makes things hard they make these rules that doing good is is uh, is in some ways in some cases illegal like this guy trying to make the road passable um, oh, wow so, it's <laughs> 
it is kind of shocking because it's like a dumb rule in my in my opinion because if you were worried about it you would have actually sent a crew out there to pave the roads whether you're using asphalt or whatever you're doing just to make sure that um, people could get where they need to go safely and then going back about the food aspect we do have those rules here in the U.S. and I know about them because my husband is a chef by trade so whenever you have certain events you have to make sure that um, for the caterer they have a caterer's license they have certain types of insurance um, depending on how the food is prepared if you're using commercial um, kitchens or whatnot. But I always tell people there is a workaround. So sure as, long as, as long as you bring like store-bought foods, um, that that's a way of using that. Or if you cater from a specific restaurant that is already in contract with the venue that you're using, that's also another way to work around. And then just disclosing like for allergy sakes, because so many people have, you know, nut allergies or they may have other shellfish or whatever type of food allergies. And you want to make sure that the food is not cross contaminated or no one gets sick. That's also another um, thing to be mindful of. But I definitely think that just having those rules in place could be a way of deterring people from having those um, social gather gatherings that does have food. But then if you figure out what the loopholes are or the workarounds, then you could definitely proceed with your event. So it's always like you ha you're having to stay one step ahead <laughs> of the game in a sense. Well, yes. And every time you get a step ahead, there's a, you know, the government has another way of making another rule that makes it hard even though you can find ways around these things uh, but often people throw up their hands and say it's just too much work there's a in vancouver which is on the west coast of canada there's a a, a law professor so she knows about laws and all that sort of stuff uh, created a project where students in her university would go and help seniors with mundane things like putting the groceries away for them or taking the garbage out that sort of stuff well what she told me is that each of these students has to go through at their own expense six different certifications just to put cans up in the up in the cupboard <laughs> right so that's wow. making an art so so what they have to do is they have to be certified that well they have to have their sex checks to make sure they're not sexual abusers they have to have a criminal check to make sure that they're not criminals they have to take a course on how to talk to elder people they have to take a first aid course they have to take a cpr course <laughs> and each one of these courses costs the cost of volunteer money and just so that they can walk into a senior's home and say can I help you put those groceries away? <laughs> wow. I could see how some of those courses are relevant, but then I don't feel like from being a former student, why you should have to pay for some of those courses. I feel like some of those courses should be offered at offer at no cost because they are actually doing good for some of the elderly and senior people who may not be able to do it for themselves, nor do they have the resources to pay someone to come in, whether it is a caregiver or et cetera. So that is definitely a roadblock that may hinder some of the volunteers from going out and actually doing a good deed because you don't know what their financial situation may be. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, is, you know, a question in there is a senior better off with nobody coming into their house or somebody coming into their house and they have a heart attack while somebody's there. <laughs> yeah. Are they better off? Which way are they better off? <laughs> oh man, the times that we're living in, it's like red tape, red tape, red tape. And you're like, come on, can someone help me pull this red tape back so we can yeah. actually do good in the community and see our community flourish? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, uh, you know, those are, I'm we're talking about it in the, in the negative way, but there's incredible amounts of good work that people are doing out there to make communities better places to live for everybody in the community. And, yeah. And, and, uh, and so I think we should honor them and, 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 and cheer them on and, and, and make, offer them a little bit of gratitude when you see them doing it because what they're doing is good for everybody it is good for our world it's good for our children's the reason i started all of this stuff i said in the beginning was for my grandchildren and what i see for them is that they're going to really need those old-fashioned communities that we've abandoned mostly uh, uh when as they're going through the next phases of, of how the world is unfolding <laughs> there's lots of stuff going on in the world where self-reliance isn't going to do it we're going to need others to to do it with us <clears throat> it goes back to the old sentiment and that was that was always said, it takes a village to raise a kid, but it also takes that kid to turn back and help that village once they get of age. And I wanna commend you and your team, as well as the other people who are doing something similar to you, Barry, and just really building communities from the inside out or also from the outside in, depending on which vantage point and perspective you look at it. And I want to give you the opportunity to leave our listeners and viewers with your call to action for this segment. Give them a challenge or tell them what you want them to do once they hear this segment. And I always like to challenge the listeners and the viewers because we're not just doing this to better ourselves, Barry, but we're also doing it so we can leave an imprint and drive that impact because it takes all of us coming together to make this world a better place. Absolutely, it does, Genesis. And thank you for this opportunity to share that. So uh, this is a message particularly to the, the community builders out there, the people who are actually working to make communities stronger places. Uh, the call to action for them is one, keep it up, you're doing awesome. <laughs> but two uh, is check out happycommunitybuilders.com and see if it's a place where you might be able to find support that might make your path, your journey doing this work a little bit easier. So happycommunitybuilders.com. And for anyone that is interested to connecting with y'all on like a social media platform, do y'all have any places where you primarily hang out, Barry? Sure. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn at Barry Braun, B-R-A-U-N, and I'm on Facebook at uh, Happy Community Project. Uh, and so LinkedIn primarily and then Facebook, right? Yeah, those are the two ones that I tend to spend time on. So Barry, Barry Braun at uh, LinkedIn and uh, Happy Community Project at Facebook. 
Thank you so much, Barry, for just coming here and telling us about the work that you and your team are doing. And thank you for making this world a better place, um, not just where you are um, locally, but also worldwide, because your reach is really spreading across the pond. And listeners and viewers, make sure you subscribe and share this segment within your network. We're on 40 plus platforms. So there's a place to listen for any and everybody. And then for those of you that love video content, you can um, see videos of the podcast segments and the guests at YouTube, which is GEMS with the Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, in order to continue to educate, inspire, and motivate others through GEMS podcast, it takes sponsors and it also takes brand ambassadors. So we are currently opening sponsorship slots. You can find out more information by going to genesisamariskemp.net and selecting the podcast tab to learn more. And lastly, but not least, we are currently ranked in the top 3% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. So we couldn't reach that level of success without you supporting us. So I wanna thank you so much for what you do on a daily basis by supporting myself and the guests that I bring on the platform. So peace, love, and lots of blessings. Go thank someone, give them a hug, and let them know that you appreciate the work that they're doing in the community, and ask them, is there anything that I can do for you to help with your project, or just um, share the information or whatever? You never know how a small act of kindness can make a huge impact. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.